Our scripture lesson today is from the opening to the Gospel of John, John 1, 1 through 18. Listen now for the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him, and he cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him know. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, for love, joy, hope, and peace, we give you thanks. And may the words of my mouth, may the prayers we utter, the music we lift up to you, Bear witness to all four, all these gifts from your Son, in whose name we pray, Amen. Those of you who spend a good deal of time around Westminster have likely noticed that so far for each Sunday in Advent, there has been some significant news, most of it rather non-Adventy. On December 3rd, we said goodbye to longtime member of our staff, Eileen Jenks, who for nine years has cared for our more senior members and who has given countless hours to a handful of people whose needs are deep, special, and by and large, private, and who now live in more dignity because of her efforts. On December 10th, we heard wonderful lessons and carols from what seemed like every person in our congregation who had any musical aptitude. 
And we heard four of our younger members read from the King James Version of the Bible, the youngest of whom, Alexa Bittner, pulled herself up to this pulpit and left us, at least me, with the word cockatrice ringing in my ear several days later. Last Sunday, with neither a seat vacant nor an eye dry, we said goodbye to longtime associate pastor Casey Fitzgerald with laughter and hope, memory and gratitude, and of course, with story. And today, if you've read your bulletin or egram, you know that we are welcoming Ben Hutchins as our new director of music ministries. By simply excising the word interim from his current title and throwing it out the window. So at Westminster this Advent, cockatrice is in, interim is out, and all's well with the world. But in the midst of all these moving worship services, you may have noticed that our sermons this Advent have been drawn from the opening to each of the four Gospels in the New Testament. We heard the beginning of Matthew three weeks ago, the beginning of Luke last Sunday, and today we focus on the beginning of John's Gospel. Now, both Matthew and Luke begin their stories of Jesus with his conception and birth, not an illogical place to begin. Next week, when we dwell on Mark, we'll see that Mark sort of skips the beginning and just starts with Jesus as an adult. By contrast, John takes the origins of Jesus Christ all the way back to and before creation. In fact, when we open the Gospel of John, we may wonder if we haven't by accident opened the book of Genesis. In the beginning, John says... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The technical term for what John is seeking to to describe is called the pre-existence of Christ. John is not concerned about the earthly origins of Jesus of Nazareth. He writes nothing about Mary and Joseph, shepherds and angels, wise men bearing gifts. Rather, John seeks to bear witness through the cadence of poetry and music to the existence and presence of Christ as word with God prior to creation. The pre-existence of Christ. So why does John refer to this pre-existent Christ as word? To get a bit academic here, John is writing about 60 years after the life and death of Christ. He's writing for an audience, a community of which he is part, likely as intellectual or spiritual leader or both. And some members of the community have been brought up under Hellenistic modes of thought and education and some under Jewish modes of thought and education. Those of Hellenistic background would recognize word as logos, a divine idea or principle that's above the material world, above bodily life, 
and to which we humans in our higher mind or higher spirits can aspire to. Think Plato. Those of Jewish background would understand word as being akin to wisdom. That which, especially in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, was with God from the beginning, even at creation. What John is doing is taking these two concepts that are deeply embedded within his readers and hearers. He's absorbing these concepts into the hymn he is writing about Christ. And more importantly, he is transforming these concepts or preconceptions that they have and exceeding them both. John's combination of logos and wisdom into word represents a unique contribution to Christianity. It is beyond all that has gone before, just like Jesus Christ is beyond all that has gone before. In the beginning was the word, logos, wisdom. And wisdom was with God And Logos was with God. Word, Logos, wisdom was in the beginning with God. Now John then continues his hymn to its next stanza. All things came into being through the Word, and without the Word not one thing came into being. What has come into being in the word was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Notice that in this ringing, poetic, silence-inducing hymn, John has not yet uttered or spoken the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He has not yet uttered the words Christ, Messiah, Good Shepherd, Bread of life, Lord, Savior, Master, Rabbi. John is still speaking here the language of his hearers and readers, the language of the people, word, logos, wisdom. And centuries later, his words continue to mesmerize us with hope and promise. All things came into being in him. What has come into being in him was life. The life is the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. In his poetry, positive and powerful. In his music, hopeful and heartfelt. John's versification does not deny darkness. It does, but it denies that darkness will prevail. It does not deny evil and death. But it denies that evil and death will have the final word. Because of John's affirmation, we hear these words every year at this time with love, joy, peace and hope. From time to time, one of the long-term members of our congregation will call me up on the telephone, and invariably I'm, in, I'm not in the office, and so she leaves a message. She is one of those persons who, over voicemail, has a beautifully expressive voice. You just feel like you're sitting at the kitchen table listening to her. And so I listen to the whole message, even though often when somebody calls, I just delete it and call them right back. But I listen to her whole message because they're so beautiful. This week I received such a voicemail from her. 
Good afternoon, Dr. Hayward. I love a title. (laughs) My goodness, she said, wasn't Sunday spectacular in all ways? What a wonderful day. Oh my gosh, I am so happy to be a Christian. I'm so happy to be a Presbyterian. Nobody's ever said that to me before. (laughs) It's like out of character for us. I'm so happy to be alive. Sunday was just wonderful in all respects. It really was. It must be a great day to be a minister. A very great day. As I listened to her voicemail a second time to write everything down for this sermon, I noticed that her cadence was poetic in the same ways that John's prologue is poetic. Words are repeated. Phrases are repeated. Rhyme and meter emerge. Happy to be a Christian. Happy to be a Presbyterian. Spectacular in all ways. Wonderful in all respects. Great day. Very great day. In addition to the pattern of her words, her message follows John's message as well. Like John, she turns to the theme of light and darkness, of light in darkness, but most of all, of light overcoming darkness. Larry, I wanted to tell you something very quickly. I don't know if the word has gotten to you yet, and that is that I do not have to have any chemo. I do not have to have any radiation. And the only treatment I'm going to have to have is to take a little pill every day for five years. That's all. What was found through the surgery was so teeny, teeny, tiny. And it was all removed. It was all removed. And now this little pill is to keep nothing from returning again in my body. Hopefully. Hopefully. I didn't know if that word had made it to your ears yet, and I just wanted to tell you. Then her message continues with light and darkness, darkness and light. What a wonderful church we're a part of, she says. I thank you for being there. I always remembered that when you arrived very, very shortly after my sweet husband died. I'm sorry you all didn't get to know each other. He was a wonderful man. Christmas blessings all around, all around for my whole family. And I hope for you. Bye, Larry. Bye. In her joyful message, there is no denial of darkness. There is no denial of death. There is no denial of evil and sadness and loss and mourning. But there is a vibrant sense that the light which has shined in her life, what was found through the surgery was all removed, is light that has shined in darkness. I'm sorry you didn't get to know my husband. But there is a deep sense that the darkness did not and would not and has not and could not overcome the light she has known for many years. I'm so happy to be a Christian. I'm so happy to be a Presbyterian. What a wonderful church we have. 
as John moves further through his hymn, he moves on to another kind of darkness, this being the human kind. The word was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. His own people did not accept him. John may be referring here to the times in the Old Testament when wandering in the wilderness and then during exile, God's people did not recognize God's own presence in their midst. Or John may be foreshadowing what would happen to Christ, which of course had happened by the time John wrote. The reality that many of God's people simply could not or would not or did not recognize God in Christ's presence. But John doesn't dwell in this dark space for very long. Rather, he moves on to say that for those who are able to accept Christ's light as light, to accept God's word as word, Christ's presence as God's presence, there is enormous power. Power to become children of God for some in a new way, like the remnant of God's people in exile, like people today who worship and serve and cling tenaciously to faith, whether in palace or in poverty, whether in prison or in oppression, whether in illness or in depression, when all the data seems to point in any direction other than the direction of hope. To all who received him, in any circumstance, to all who believe Him in anything they face, He gives power to become children of God. In the next stanza, John makes his way to Christ, though still not naming Him. And the Word became flesh and lived among us full of grace and truth. John is making a bold, somewhat scandalous statement here, saying that the Word God not only entered into flesh, the Word not only abides with flesh, but the Word actually became flesh. Instead of liberating us from the material world and human history and bodily life, that we might hover above these things and focus on things above Christ has bound himself to us in the flesh that we might focus on things in this world. In this binding of word with flesh, even during the darkest times, the times Hamlet describes as this harsh world of pain, Jesus Christ brings grace and truth. Finally, interspersed through John's vaulted poetry are some prose sections about John the Baptist, rooted as prose almost always is on earth. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. If John's poetry lifts us above the world, his prose drives us back into the world so that like John the Baptist, we draw strength 
from that which is above while we live here and now in the world grounded to the earth. As followers of Jesus Christ, we, like John the Baptist, have the duty and the privilege of bearing witness to the Word made flesh, both in situations that are marked by life and in situations that are shrouded in darkness. We bear witness to Christ as light by showing up. We bear witness to Christ as light by telling the truth, standing for the truth, speaking the truth in love, even when it hurts to speak it or to hear it. We bear witness to Christ as light by taking action. We bear witness to Christ as light by forgiving. We bear witness to Christ as life by accepting forgiveness. We bear witness by loving. We bear witness by feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and welcoming the foreigner and the stranger, the immigrant and the refugee, the asylum seeker and the exile. We bear witness by caring for what the Old Testament calls the widow and the orphan, the most vulnerable people in society. And we bear witness by caring for the earth on which they And we must live. And we bear witness by seeking to build a world whose economy and whose forms of governance lift people out of poverty and illiteracy and disease, lift them out of tyranny and genocide, lift them into safety, self-sufficiency, opportunity. The true light which enlightens everyone is coming from above into the world. We, like John the Baptist, are here in the world to await its coming, to welcome it, to bear witness to it in all that we say and do. This light, Christ Jesus, this Word made flesh, full of grace and truth. Amen.